Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. When was Christ crucified for us? Of course, we know that he died on the cross about 2,000 years ago. But how then do we understand Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, that says, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Within this apparent paradox lies a marvelous realization that will greatly benefit how we approach many aspects of our Christian life. Stay tuned for today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a faithful servant of Christ and devoted co-worker of Watchman Nee in China, began the Life Study of the Bible in 1974 and completed it 21 years later. We've come again today to the Life Study of Acts on our program, and we also have Ron Kangas with us to help with what can be a perplexing aspect of the time element regarding all that God has accomplished. But we trust that Lord willing will be simplified and relieved by our fellowship today. Welcome back to the program, Brother Ron. Thank you for having me here, and we really look to the Lord for his grace to us. Ron, today's word is an investigation in to the divine revelation as presented in the book of Acts, and we're going to see six eternal items that are all crucial to the divine economy, and they're all developed rather fully in this book of Acts. Ron, please introduce us to these six eternal matters. First is Christ's incarnation. The second, crucifixion. The third, resurrection. The fourth, the Lord breathed the essential spirit of life into the believers. The fifth is the ascension. The sixth is the once for all, eternally effective outpouring of the consummated spirit by the ascended Christ upon the body of Christ. Ron, as you've mentioned all of these items, they do have, of course, their historical context. They were all accomplished in time. We're going to look at that context and then see them from their eternal aspect. Here's Witness Lee. For the carrying out of the uh, steps that are required by God in His glory, holiness, and righteousness, the trying God has done these few things. The incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. Going along with this, you have the breathing of the Spirit into the disciples. And the outpouring of the Spirit upon the disciples. All the six things are not temporary with time elements. 
All these six things are eternal, without time element. The strongest instance is this fact that in our eyes, Christ was crucified about 2,000 years ago. But Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says, the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. In our eyes, he was slain over 1900 years ago. But in the eyes of God, he was slain from the foundation of the world. Because his redemption has to go that far to cover the created universe. This is why in Hebrew, in chapter 9, the redemption of Christ is called the eternal redemption. Ever since the created things came into being, there was the need of Christ's death. Christ, according to Peter, was foreknown by God before the foundation. That was in eternity. But his death was accomplished from the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, that was eternity. But from the foundation of the world, this is in time. Yet, whatever he accomplished by his redemption is eternal. So it is called eternal redemption. Before his crucifixion, there was the incarnation. And then after his crucifixion, there was the resurrection. And right after resurrection, there was the breathing of the Spirit into the disciples, and then the ascension. And after ascension, the outpouring of the Spirit upon his disciples. All the six things were accomplished without time element. All the three things are eternal. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. You tell me, when was Paul crucified? We all say we have been crucified with Christ. When have we been crucified? Christ was born 1900 years ago, and we are born 1900 years later. And how could we say we have been crucified with Christ? Do you mean that now you are praying to be crucified so the Lord has to answer all prayer to come down to get crucified with you? When you have been crucified from the foundation of the world, do you know that you have been crucified before you were born? Many Christians don't know this. Do you all realize that you were killed already before you were born? Well, Ron, we've seen that these items are all eternal, but that they were accomplished in time, but without the effect of time. I think that needs a little explanation, perhaps. And also, Ron, why is it an important feature of these six items that they are eternal? The Bible definitely reveals that there was a historic, temporal fulfillment or accomplishment of each of these six items. At the fullness of time, Jesus Christ, the God-man, was born of woman. Thirty-three and a half years later, he died in time. All the other items 
resurrection, the breathing of the essential spirit, ascension, and the outpouring of the spirit all took place in time. But they took place without the effect of time. They are not limited by time. Why is this important? It seems rather abstract, even metaphysical or theological or philosophical. Well, for them to be concrete events, they have to be in time. But if these events are affected by time, their application is limited in both time and space. The very fact that these events which took place in time, without being affected by time, assures us that they cover the total span of the realm of God's activity to carry out redemption in the old creation for the fulfillment of his eternal economy. For example, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, that is, from the beginning of the existence of the world, to ensure that the redeeming death of Christ would cover all of creation in space and time. So let me try to give a succinct summary of this. We believe in the historic, actual, factual occurrence of all of these events in time. They actually happened, and the Bible testifies through many eyewitnesses that they did. However, we who were born 2,000 years after the accomplishment of these still receive their benefit because they are not bounded by time, but are eternal in their effectiveness. So, referring to the death of Christ once again, Hebrews speaks of an eternal redemption. I hope this somewhat clarifies the matter as to how something can be in time, but not be affected by time, because it is an eternal reality with an eternal efficacy. Ron, you made a uh, comment near the end of your answer regarding the benefit of these items to us, and that's really where we want to go in this life study. We need to see the proper context and historical relevance of all of these items, but really our focus in the life study day by day is the life application of all of these great truths. So let's rejoin Witness Lee as we focus on their application to us. You have to see the same principle with all the other atoms, with his incarnation, with his resurrection, with his ascension, with his breathing the Spirit into his disciples, and with his outpouring the Spirit upon his disciples. He has accomplished the breathing of the Spirit once for all in John chapter 20. In the same principle, he has baptized all his believers, every member of his body, into the Spirit once for all in two instances. One on the day of Pentecost, the other in the house of Cornelius. Okay, say I prepared a sandwich. I firstly prepared two pieces of bread. Then I put on turkey. Then I put on what? Tomato. Then I put on what? Lettuce. Okay. 
in my preparation, two piece bread first, turkey second, tomato third, lettuce fourth. Do you think when you come to eat, you eat first bread, <laughs> then turkey, third tomato, and fourth lettuce? Stupid. <laughs> I tell you, incarnation the bread, the crust is the turkey. The resurrection is tomato, and ascension is lettuce. When you come to eat, everything happens. Saints, the messages are just trying to present you a picture how Triune God has accomplished all the things. The Triune God in the Son became flesh. That was his incarnation. He doesn't need to repeat it. He accomplished it once for all. Hallelujah. Amen. Incarnation has been accomplished forever. Then he went to die on the cross and he did. That was accomplished. Then he rose up from the dead. He accomplished resurrection. And then once for all he became the life-giving spirit. And he breathed himself as a life-giving spirit into his disciples once for all. And then he ascended once for all. Then he brought out himself, the life-giving spirit, the all-inclusive spirit, once for all. He has accomplished all these things. Now, when you call his name, his name indicates, implies, denotes, includes all these things. You don't need to analyze, oh, this morning I call upon his name. Have I received the essential spirit? Don't practice this way. If you practice this way, after two minutes, you'll be a mental case. <laughs> Ron, as we consider more carefully these eternal matters in God's economy, we can see that they were in fact accomplished in a particular order or sequence. But in their application to us, there's not the need for the same order or sequence necessarily, is there? No, and actually, if we try to put them in some kind of temporal sequence, actually, we'll miss a lot of the enjoyment and the benefit. We should just receive the totality of all of these marvelous events by receiving Christ as the all-inclusive, life-giving Spirit and enjoying Him and experiencing Him as such. Witness Lee gave us an illustration that may seem a little simplistic, but actually it's, it's probably quite profound when we get into it. Talk to us a little bit about this sandwich. Very helpful illustration because it shows both the temporal sequence of the events, but also from another angle, the experience of these six events as a marvelous totality. So if we're making this sandwich, we take the bread and put mayonnaise or mustard on it, then all the items layer by layer, and then we have a whole sandwich. You simply can't have a sandwich in any other way. You have to go through a process which involves chronology. It involves a sequence, but you end up with a totality. I ate a sandwich for lunch today, and 
I ate it as a totality. I didn't take it apart. I didn't eat it sequentially, one piece of bread, and then the turkey, and then the cheese, and then the lettuce, and then another piece of bread. I took a portion of the whole and enjoyed the whole with all of the distinct parts at one time. So we need to see that from the standpoint of the process which took place in time, incarnation is first followed by all the other steps. But now here we are, nearly 2,000 years after the Lord ascended. What do we get in our experience? We get the sandwich. When we believed in the Lord, we received an all-inclusive sandwich consisting of the triune God, the humanity of Christ, the effectiveness of his crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and we also participate in the Spirit given once for all. So the illustration is apt, isn't it? Because it shows both the sequence historically, but also the totality and the inclusiveness of our present experience in the Spirit. Ron, we have a significant portion remaining yet today concerning the baptism in the Holy Spirit, a giant topic in uh, the Christian life. Let's join Witness Lee once again. The Bible presents us all the accomplished facts. Hallelujah! In the Old Testament, there were types, figures, no facts. But in New Testament, within 34 years, all these six things were accomplished. Now, we sinners repent and believe in him and baptized into the water, representing the triumph God, Christ, and his death. We receive everything. We are participating in his incarnation, in his crucifixion, in his resurrection, in the breathing into of the Holy Spirit and in his ascension, and in his outpouring of the Spirit. Hallelujah! We have everything. Don't follow the wrong teaching. They come to you, have you received the Holy Ghost? When you will be asked of this kind of question, you have to be bold. Yes! I have received the Holy Spirit. You know how many years? Over 1900 years ago. I've received already. I'm enjoying him all the day. To take by faith. Good enough. The Bible presents us a picture of the accomplishments of all the facts. And all these facts became the bequeath in the will. In the will, something is willed to us. All these Christ incarnation, Christ crucifixion, Christ resurrection, Christ breathing the Spirit into his disciple, Christ ascension, Christ outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon his disciple. All this has been bequeathed to us in this New Testament, which means will. We have a will of 27 books, the New Testament. All these items, including Christ himself, and triumph God are the bequeath. We just inherit, we just take, and we just enjoy. We need the essential spirit. Just amen. 
when you need economical spirit, just say, Amen. I have it. Ron, we've come back one more time to this topic that we have spent a good deal of time on in some of our recent previous programs, and that is the baptism of or in or into the Holy Spirit. We don't have the time to completely revisit this giant topic, but say something more about the extraordinary cases that seem to have grown to take on a disproportionate influence on the understanding that accompanies this issue in, I think, many Christian circles. You have in Acts only two instances that are called the baptism in the Spirit. In Acts 2, the Jewish believers received the outpouring of the Spirit and were baptized in the Spirit. They are one part of the body, according to the Scriptures. In Acts 10, in the house of Cornelius, Gentile believers, as representatives of the other portion of the body, these dear ones received the outpouring of the Spirit and were baptized in the Spirit. In each case, the action of baptizing in the Spirit was carried out directly by Christ the Head. In our study of Acts and in our attempt to experience and then understand the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the problem is that we take the uh, extraordinary cases as the criteria for normality instead of the other way around. So you have three extraordinary cases, one of the Samaritans, and the Jews had problems with Samaritans. And in order for the Samaritan believers to be harmoniously incorporated into the body, there needed to be a particular action with the apostles as the agent. But that is not a normal case. That is a particular case, an extraordinary case, to address the problem posed by the salvation of the Samaritan believers and their need to be one with the Jewish believers in the body. Then Saul of Tarsus is a particular case because of his particular situation with which we all are familiar. He needed a particular way of being brought into this experience and a particular way of appropriating it. Then in Acts 19, we have another abnormal or extraordinary situation when you have believers that are not clear concerning God's New Testament economy. They're not clear concerning God's full salvation. Apollos helped them on the one hand, but he also helped them not to be so clear on the other hand. So they really didn't know about the Spirit clearly. They really did not have the proper baptism. They only knew the baptism of John the Baptist. So Paul made the matter clear, and then this abnormality was taken care of. And so we have the third extraordinary case. But there are many, many other cases of people being saved, of receiving the Lord in Acts and there is no particular description of how they received the Spirit or what happened. Why? Because those are normal cases. Now, what do we mean by normal? The incarnation took place once for all. We don't pray, Lord, become a man again and save me. The death on the cross for our redemption took place once for all. We don't pray, Lord, please die for my sins. 
We don't pray that the Lord will be resurrected for our regeneration. Neither do we pray that he will breathe the Spirit upon us, nor do we pray that he would be ascended, nor should we pray that we will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why don't we need to pray? These are all parts of the sandwich. The sandwich has already been put together. We already have the sandwich for our enjoyment. We are not a special case. We are not an extraordinary case. We today are the normal believers, the ordinary believers, who receive Christ and then, according to the Scriptures, receive the all-inclusive benefit and enjoyment of all these eternal items. So we plead with all the seekers of Christ to reconsider this matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in light of the eternal efficacy of the other five of these six items. Please do not separate the baptism of the Spirit from the other five eternal items and treat it as if it's something that has to happen again and again and again and again. No, what we need is an application to us by faith of what happened once for all historically 19 centuries ago. So now, in our life experience, in our application, we come to the Lord, we believe in the Lord, we call on the Lord, we receive the Lord, and so doing, we take another bite of this wonderful, all-inclusive sandwich. This is a wonderful meal prepared by God through accomplishing six eternal items in time, but these items are not affected by time. So wherever you are, right here and now, by calling on the Lord, we can enjoy the benefit in time of these six eternal items. Praise the Lord for this reality and praise the Lord for the practical application of these six marvelous, eternal, divine accomplishments. Ron, I say amen. It seems like one category of believers uh, takes these extraordinary as the model and another category of believers, probably due to a lack of a good and complete understanding, dismiss the matter altogether. But really, our portion is the whole, complete, entire package, this whole sandwich. Thanks again, Ron, for dropping by today and being part of this program. And we, of course, like to thank you for being a part of this broadcast. Your participation is the one that really matters to us. We would very much like to hear from you in that vein and let us know how this program has affected you or what kind of revelation or realization it helped bring you into. We trust that it's one that's consistent with that, that the Lord is desirous to bring us all into, that we may all go on further. And for that purpose, we've given you a toll-free number, and that is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can reach us via email at radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. 
You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.